XL, Charlotte Sports Live. All chills in Atlanta before the green flag drop. Kevin Harvick saying goodbye to the track that he first won at in the Cup Series. We've got more on this race on Charlotte Sports Live. And summer league action hasn't been too kind to the Hornets thus far. The Buzz City boys back on the Florentine City looking to get rid of that goose egg in the win column. That's right. Welcome in to Charlotte Sports Live. And we have a jam-packed show for you tonight and a whole hour to do it and to get it all in. I'm Carly Gebhardt alongside Gabe McDonald. We got Grace Grill. We've got Mike Lissette. We've got a full cast of characters Yeah, tonight. we got a full house. We might as well be in San Francisco for this one, just like at the bank last night, where frustrations grew over a Charlotte FC team that remains outside of the win column. We'll get to Christian Latanzio's comments for the doom and gloomers in just a bit. Meanwhile, the rainy city was all sunshine for the 2023 MLB draft, but tonight we start with Bus City out in Vegas. And here are your two first-round picks, Brandon Miller and Nick Smith Jr., leading the Hornets into battle this afternoon. Brandon Miller coming off that double-double on Friday, 16 points, 11 boards against the Spurs. And midway through the second, Miller bearing that mid-range jumper. That would tie the game up at 20 early in the second quarter. Miller just 10 points today and another rough shooting day, just 4 of 18 from the field. Boy, but he did do some good things, like dropping this dime to Justin Robinson, who gets the bucket and the foul from long range. Charlotte takes a two-point lead over the Lakers. Yeah, just walk it off, young fella. You'll be all right. <laughs> just over two minutes till the break, Nick Smith Jr. showing off the range, knocks down that step-back triple, one of three he hit from long distance. The Hornets increase their lead to four, then less than a minute to go. It's Smith with a dish to a wide-open Bryce McGowan's splash. 11 points for him off the bench. The Hornets with a one-point lead at recess. But in the second, the Lakers get to rolling. More specifically, Colin Castleton getting to the cup, gets the and one lay to fall, and then just minutes later, threading the needle. Zoop! With a dime to Demoy Hodge. LA in front by six. At that point, Castleton with a game high 21 points and 14 boards. And Charlotte couldn't recover from there. The Hornets dropped to 0-4 in summer league action after a 93-75 loss to the Lakers. We've been struggling as a team. I mean, tonight, 9 for 36. 25%, I think we had to have five threes in the last game. So four more, again, because we created some better ones uh, in the first half. We got to the paint, we moved it, we swung it, we got some open looks. Um, but yeah, we're we're not shooting it that great right now. So hopefully we can give them some more reps. We had a good shooting practice yesterday. Tomorrow we'll get in the gym and try to get the confidence in these guys, you know, elevated. The Hornets, of course, are still in search of that first summer league win. They'll be back in action Tuesday night against the Blazers. Tip-off set for 8.30. PM and today is just pretty much the same old song and dance. I mean, just a lot of guys out there. I think it's pretty much a lot of games of one on one. You know, there are a lot right. of guys that's taken just not the smartest shots. I mean, Coach Garnett said it best. Nine of thirty-six. You can't be shooting like that not now. Great. Obviously, summer league. It's it's just summer league. So I don't want to put too. Is much that what you think it. about it though? That, that's how I think. I mean, yeah, you want to see the guys do well, but I think you really the early in the season is when we start to see what these guys can bring to the table. Because yeah. I mean, now it's just. There's, it's, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. There's, still, yeah. there's really no structure out there, too. That's right. And then a lot of people are making the argument, too. You put Brandon Miller, you put all these other people with, with the starting five right. or the starting four, and they're going to look a lot different, oh, yeah, a lot sure. better as he'll well. Ha he'll have a lot more talent around him. Once the season gets around, you're going to have LaMelo Ball. I mean, sooner you'll have Miles Bridges. You'll have a full cast of guys out there. I think you'll be a little bit more comfortable. But you want to see the guys be smarter with taking a lot because some of these shots watching this game, it's like, what are you doing? It's like Patrick Ewan. Do you work on that shot? Do you study? Yeah. Like, you never take that shot. So hopefully they can get back to the drawing board. Obviously, they got two games left. Blazers, then the Pels to wrap things up, and then a little bit of a break. But hopefully these next two games, you can see a lot more growth, especially out of Brandon Miller. Just a little too yes. up and down right now. That's right. And he has to get used to uh, five fouls and yeah. not ten fouls out in summer league. But let's move <laughs> right. on to Charlotte FC and frustrations heightened for that team. 
As the club has now played seven straight matches without a win, the Crown picked up its fifth straight draw last night with a 2-2 final against Cincinnati. And I guess the takeaway here is that, well, they aren't losing. They are still collecting points in these matches. And it's also the point that Christian Latanzio was trying to make after last night's draw. Charlotte's head coach with some strong thoughts on the growing frustrations with the team's performance. Take a listen. Can you imagine if we lost five in a row? So now we had uh, five draws away from home in not easy place to go, and it looks like uh, I mean we it looks like it's doom and gloom. I wanted a little bit more in terms of performance too, um, but uh, the results uh, are uh, you know are not as bad as uh, few of you seems to make it look like or some people. So some strong words from Latanzio there. Charlotte returns to action next Saturday in Montreal. Those two had a scoreless draw back on June 24th. And so you look at this team and there. yeah, I mean, I don't mind that though. It gives yeah. us obviously something no, to talk sure. about Absolutely. when it comes to these draws. But you know, you look at Charlotte FC's performance and the first half, they seem to put together a first half, but it's closing out these games. Yeah. And I feel like if they can ever get over the hump and actually figure out how to close out the games, and then we might could potentially be talking exactly. about them in the postseason or trying to inch their way back into that conversation. And being at 12th right now, I mean, they're not that far off, but still, you know, you're, you're, big, you're digging a bigger hole for yourself. And the thing about last night, they played the last 15 minutes. Cincinnati did without a man. They had a guy with a red card. So it's right. like you got to be able to take advantage of that. And they're pretty much – when you look at this team, it's like they're playing not to lose yes. as opposed to playing to win. Do you want to see that consistency out of this team? Because there's still a long way to go in the season, but when you're sitting at 12th right now, you kind of have to look yourself in the mirror like, guys, we have to figure out how to not get complacent after getting this lead. And that just starts with leadership. you got to yeah. have guys, not just Coach Latanzio, but other guys in the locker room that can kind of rally the troops to where you don't have that slump when you go into the locker room at halftime. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about teams that have uh, created some frustration for their <laughs> fan bases, but the Panthers, they have not done that yet. And while we are waiting for Panthers Ooh, training camp at the end of the month, we're taking notice of Bryce Young and his wide receivers putting in the work this week. I'm sure you saw this video on social media this week, but all the guys gathered at SMU's campus for some extra reps. And Gabe, can we read into this? I mean, this is good stuff, right? No, it's, it's, it's really what you want to see because you have all these guys. Because, I mean, for a lot of these guys, this period is to go on vacation. They do other things as well. But to see guys still getting in at work, especially going all the way to SMU, I know a lot of I guys know. have connections out there. Yeah. But to see them getting together, getting in this extra work, especially when you see Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo, your rookies, you want to see those guys set an example. So this is really great to see. And, you know, hopefully uh, this can translate well. I'll have training camp coming up soon. And all those guys looking a little bit bigger, even yeah. LaVisca Chanel. And Bryce Young well. with, the, with the dreadlocks. You I know, like it. I mean, I like we, we might be in for something special <laughs> this year with the little hairdo. I see you. That's right. Well, we mentioned training camp. That's where the real work begins. And it is fast approaching, guys. Just 17 days away, beginning on July 26th. The rookies report several days before that. And so does our CSL team. We're going to have a presence in Spartanburg beginning on the 23rd. All your updates for training camp can be found right here on Fox Charlotte. And the Panthers have been keeping our minds occupied by releasing a teaser that two or more members will be selected for the Panthers Hall of Honor very soon. And while all the fans are already speculating who could be added to that elite group, our Michael Set joins him with his list of candidates with worthy resumes. They are called the best of the best. The sixth greatest to ever wear the black and blue make up Carolina's Hall of Honor. Touchdown! However, now the Panthers are teasing the club is getting two new members. And tonight, 
fans all over the Queen City are wondering who'll make the cut. He can run the football. Assuming Cam Newton is out of the question since technically he's not retired, perhaps the most obvious candidate has to be Greg Olson. How about that? Considered the greatest tight end to ever strap on a Panthers helmet, the three-time Pro Bowler ranks third all-time in team history in reception yards and fourth in touchdowns caught. Cam Newton knows who to go to. Another guy who has a strong chance is Carolina's all-time leading rusher. Oh, breaking it. No one in the secondary. Jonathan Stewart played 10 of his 11 NFL seasons with the Panthers, finishing with 51 scores and over 7,300 yards. And he has his first three-touchdown game of his career. On the defensive side, five-time first-team ever Luke Keekley seems to have as good a shot as anyone. Intercepted by Keekley. The dependable middle linebacker twice led the league in tackles. But perhaps his greatest accomplishment was winning the Defensive Player of the Year award, the season after winning the Defensive Rookie of the Year award. What a day for Luke Keekley. Thomas Davis, of course, also deserves very strong consideration. Winner of the Walter Payton Man of the Year award in 2014, the veteran linebacker spent 14 of his 16 years in Carolina. In addition to making the first team in 2015, he was selected to three Pro Bowls before retiring in 2020. But can you really call it a Panthers Hall of Honor if this guy isn't in it? Here we go! Currently ranked fifth all-time in sacks, defensive end and outside linebacker Julius Peppers made nine Pro Bowls in his 17-year career. Following his retirement in 2018, this former two-time Panther and Tar Heel Got him. was inducted into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame in 2021. <laughs> Carolina's Hall of Honor hasn't added any new members in four years. Now, with potentially a pair of new players on the way, it would seem the Panthers are making up for lost time. Well, we all know a lot of eyes are going to be on the Panthers this season, given the hype that they have and the moves that they've made. But who else across the league is under pressure to win now? We're going to debate that coming up in Quick Six. And later in the show, Michael Set has a story of how a local wrestler drove himself to a hospital after a match, only to discover he was having a heart attack. Yes, but all eyes were on Seattle today for the 2023 MLB Draft. And coming up after the break, we'll tell you who was the first off the board and more. You're watching Charlotte Sports Live. We'll be right back. Serious finale between the Knights and Jumbo Shrimp in Uptown this afternoon. Jacksonville in the scoring going early and off to Peyton Burdick with that solo shot deep to left in the second. That will put the Shrimp on the board first. They would end the frame up two after another homer. Now into the third, the Shrimp still going to work. Austin Allen gets a pitch right down the middle and he nearly sends it all the way to Mint Street. Another two-run jack right there for the Jumbo Shrimp. Jacksonville would have a four-run lead after that two-run blast, and they go on to win it 13-2 over Charlotte. The Knights off this week, though, for the All-Star break. That's right, and speaking of the MLB All-Star, we got started tonight with the 2023 MLB Draft, and we are bringing in our resident baseball fan, Grace Grill, now to help us break it all down. Not too many surprises in this one tonight, Grace, but definitely one of the most highly anticipated MLB drafts in recent memory, right? Oh, absolutely. And the talent just keeps getting better and better each year. And after the college baseball postseason that we just watched, we knew who was going to be at the top of everyone's board. It was just a matter of what teams needed. And really, you couldn't go wrong if you were the Pittsburgh Pirates with that first overall pick. And I think we all knew it was going to be one of the boys from the Bayou, the Pittsburgh Pirates selecting right-handed pitcher Paul Skeens with the top pick. The 21-year-old out of LSU torched college hitters with a nasty slider and fastball that touched 
upwards of 100 miles an hour. That helped lead the Tigers to their first national title since 2009. And get this, his teammate Dylan Cruz, he could have gone number one to himself. He went second overall to the Washington Nationals, and the duo makes history, becoming the first college teammates to go one-two in the MLB draft. So here's a look at the first five off the board tonight. Skeens and Cruz go one-two. Then the Detroit Tigers select Max Clark, the senior outfielder out of Franklin Community High School in Indiana. Then at four, the Texas Rangers take Wyatt Langford out of Florida. And then how about this? Walker Jenkins, the North Carolina kid out of South Brunswick High School, going fifth in the draft to the Minnesota Twins. Here's some other names off the board with some local ties. Wake Forest ace Rhett Louder going seventh off the board tonight to the Cincinnati Reds. And then his fellow Demon Deacon Brock Wilkin going 18th to the Milwaukee Brewers. And because we are the home of the Charlotte Knights, affiliate of the Chicago White Sox, we threw this one in there as well. The White Sox picking 15th tonight in the draft. They selected Jacob Gonzalez, the shortstop out of Old Miss. And maybe we'll see him in the Knights uniform someday. But I don't think there were... Nobody was surprised by this. Yeah. The only the, the big storyline was was Skeens and Cruz yeah. going to go one two, and obviously they do, and they make history, and that's just a really cool moment. Oh, and absolutely! You're an LSU oh, yeah, boy, no. and fan. I mean you got to look at the the numbers tonight, and now we've had the top the top overall pick in four different major drafts: NFL, NBA, now MLB, WNBA as well. So. We do think it's Is something in the, body. in the water down there. I, mean, yeah. you know, I feel like it has we, we, to be. We breed greatness in the boots. So it's <laughs> good to pretty, see. I got to give, give a shout out to my friend Ben McDonald. He's a yeah. good friend of mine. He was the last, I think, one, number one overall yes. pick out of LSU. So wow. he was he was 89, I believe. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I mean, just a, a great moment, too. And I mean, especially for our guys from Wake Forest, because we know how great of a season they had yes. and what Brock was able to do yeah. with the plate. Rhett, I mean, at the dish. I mean, uh, I was happy mound, to rather. see Rhett yeah. go in top 10. For sure. Just because I think he deserved that, that acknowledgement. But an awesome start yeah. to the MLB All-Star Weekend. But, you know, the Braves, they were wrapping up. So, Braves, they're right. the first team to win 60. They were trying to make it 61 today in Tampa Bay. First inning, Bryce Elder. He was having a rough day. He's got Jonathan Aranda. And he's going to line that one out. It's an early 2-0 lead for the Rays. Next batter is Isaac Paredes. He takes it deep. And just like that, it is 4-0 Rays. We're having a rough day. All right, Elder's still out there in the third. Luke Rayley looks like he wants all of that one. But this is why Ronald Acuna Jr. is an all-star. You can't wow. even see it from behind the back. Awesome Was play he by looking? Acuna. Yeah, he's, like, that's like, he makes it look so easy. It's still 4-0 Rays. Fourth inning, Travis Darno. With a no-doubter, he keeps the streak alive for Atlanta. Their 26th straight game with a home run. But unfortunately, they couldn't get it done today. They fall to the Rays in the first half finale, 10-4. So not the way you want to end the first half, but it was a really good first half for the Rays. Actually, it was a more than good. It was great. At the All-Star break, the Braves have the best record in baseball at 60-29. They have hit the most home runs than any other team in the league by a lot. They got 169 of them, which, by the way, is the most hit at the half-point way of the season in AL and NL history. No other team is represented more this year, too, at the All-Star game. So there's that. They just they absolutely crushed the first half of the season. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. I hate that they lost today, but you can't win them all. You know, yeah. you get to 60 wins, and I think that's such a marquee number to get to at the at the half of yeah. the season. And now they're kind of able to take a break, right, take a breather and kind of regroup to, to finish out the season strong. I, I mean, this is – they've been dominant before in yeah. seasons past, but this is a whole different level of dominance. Yeah. And their their health has been the biggest key, I yeah. think, to that success. And, I mean, success. if you're if they're not your favorite right now to win it all, I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. I mean you're, you're doing something wrong. I mean, these guys have just been 
I mean, 26 straight games with a home run. I mean, just hit after hit after hit. I mean, these guys are just – they're looking great. I mean, they've been strong in all as aspects of the game. And, I mean, this is a team that's really hungry, you know, because obviously last year uh, coming up short, having won since 2021, the World Series, they're hungry to get back there and bring, in, uh, bring home another one. And, you know, with that – with the, the trade deadline looming, yeah. it's yes. not one – they're not in one of those spots where it's like, okay, we really need to go get this to make a run. They can yeah. make a run with this team, I think, if anything, relief pitching – Right. If anything, yeah. right. so they're they're just in a really good spot. They're really fun to watch, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for the second half of the season already. All right, well, coming up in the show, Charlotte baseball has a trio of guys still on the board that still hope to hear their names called in the MLB draft. They're going to join the show a little bit later. And a local wrestler suffers a heart attack, then drives an hour to a hospital after a match last month. Up next, Mike Lissette has the amazing story of how WCW star Lodi survives to tell the tale. The NASCAR Cup Series at Atlanta Motor Speedway tonight, and what a night. We start on the first caution of the day. That's Harrison Burton, and you're going to see what happens here. He gets loose off the turn, but really take a look at the 11 behind him. Looks like he's going straight toward him, but Denny Hamlin able to avoid that crash, and then his driver, Tyler Reddick, makes a great save right here. He goes down and gets loose, and then he's actually able to save it before he goes into the two. A great save by Tyler Reddick. No caution here, but... Uh, yeah, this is just a great battle between the Ford, great battle out of the Ford family, and uh, it's Ryan Blaney that goes on to win stage one. A tough night for Kyle Larson, though, who finished second in stage one. He gets loose by Eric Jones here, and yeah, you see how this ends. A lot of damage to his car, and unfortunately, he is not able to return to the track. The biggest wreck of the night, though, actually happened from Corey LaJoy. He goes spinning and takes out Tyler Reddick, Ty Gibbs, Ross Chastain gets damaged. The one in this one, though, would not return. And this race is just leaving you wanting more every lap that they turn tonight. But the rain going to come into play for another weekend. The race gets called with 75 to go. And William Byron out front at the time that NASCAR called it. And so, yes, he does win his fourth race of the year. I, I don't completely understand this one. <laughs> it's just uh, it's a really good feeling. I've never had a, a rain uh, victory like this. But just thanks to Exalta Chevrolet, I mean, it's cool, man. I, I, we were through so much throughout the night, uh, spinning through the infield, destroyed the bottom of the car, dragging it around the yep. apron, trying to stay on the lead lap. And at, at that point, you just don't have the grip. So I was real edgy back in traffic. But uh, Rudy made a good call to pit there and then uh, and then stay out. And once we got towards the front, it was okay. We could honestly uh, make the right decisions, block okay, and uh, got the lead from AJ and just uh, was able to manage the run. So just a crazy night. It was a crazy night, and this is even crazier because it's quick six of the whole CSL squad in the pool tonight. Guys, let's go ahead and put two minutes on the clock. Grace, you go first. Do you agree with Latanzio's comments that five draws for Charlotte FC is not all doom and gloom? I actually love his comments. I just like that he addressed this. I get I get why the fr fans are frustrated because they'll get that lead and then they lose it, and that's frustrating because all you have to do is hang on. But I do understand Latanzio here because they're still getting points. Right. I agree with that. All right, Gabe, is there a Panthers vet at rest to not make the 53-man roster? I think there was one that we saw last year that was kind of on the cut line, but you look at what they did in the draft on the offensive line, I think Michael Jordan might miss the cut. It's Cade Mays. Mm -hmm. Came on strong at the fullback position. Shout out to my, shout out to my dog. Cade Mays <laughs> and also Chandler Zavala, who played at NC State with Icky. Some great reports out of him, so I think Michael Jordan might be on the cusp, might not make the it. The last Michael Jordan that got cut, he came great, so, you know. That's true. All right, <laughs> Mike. Uh, speaking of uh, the Hornets' former owner, 
owner. Let's talk about Hornets. Uh, who has impressed you the most in summer league play? Well, they're 0-4. There's not been a lot. <laughs> I mean, the dunk on Wembenyama by Kai Jones was great. Yeah. So if I have to pick one, that's it. But, ugh. Okay, not impressed at all. No. All right, Grace, who are you most interested in watching in the All-Star game this week? I wouldn't say that there's like one player that I I don't really take this seriously that the All-Star right. game, but it's just fun to see, you know, the players' families out there and just every like baseball come together and I, I like the home run derby the best. I'm, yes. I'm more excited for that. I think that's everybody's favorite. All right, Gabe, what other NFL team besides the Panthers is under pressure to perform this season? Well, I think the Cowboys always are, but I think more <laughs> specifically, I got to look at the Broncos. Last year was a rough one. Bring in Sean Payton, you still got a solid core. They got to get it done some kind of way. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs> All right, Mike, what is the best and the worst Oreo you've ever had? You made me try a cold Oreo today, yes. which I did not hate, um, but I, yeah, I want to know the best in the world. Well, as an Oreo connoisseur, I really do like these new Mario Brothers Oreos that just came it's out. It's a with. regular Oreo. <laughs> this man is no. eating an Oreo on live TV. I will try it. Oh, he's eating will, it. Oh, wow. Best ever Oreo, Lady Gaga Oreo. It was really, really good. A little vanilla, mm, excuse me, a little strawberry, spectacular. <laughs> however, however, excuse me, however, the worst Oreo ever, Swedish fish. It tasted like nail Ugh. polish smells. It was disgusting. Mike said he was born this you way. You should have yeah. a, a vlog. You should have a vlog, Mike. There we go. All right, well, let's talk about some wrestling because regardless of whether or not you are a fan of pro wrestling, one thing that you cannot question is the toughness of men and women who perform in the ring, and they put their heart into every match. No doubt. And as our Mike Lissette reports, it almost caused one former WCW wrestler's life. And a warning, there are graphic images in this story. As he sped down I-77 toward Uptown, all Brad Kane could think about was a wrestling icon. And I'm like, God, just don't let me hurt anybody else because we all know how you know Macho Man Randy Savage died. The 52-year-old pro wrestler, better known as Lodi, didn't know what was wrong. Nor did he realize just how close he was to sharing a similar fate of his former colleague. I was doubled over and driving with one hand and kind of keep my eyes on the road. It all happened so quickly. A veteran of 28 years in this ring, Kane was used to working in pain. But this was different. And after a match last month in Mooresville, even his opponent could sense something was up. I asked him what was wrong, and he said nothing was wrong at the time. He could have asked for help, should have asked for help. But instead, he tried to tough it out. I never said I was smart, but I'm hard-headed. 52 excruciating minutes later, Kane at last arrived at the hospital. After undergoing test after test, doctors finally figured out what was wrong. They put up three major arteries. The first two were blocked at 100%, and the last one, which is called the Widowmaker, if that one gets blocked, you're more than likely going to die. It was blocked at 90%. Just like the late macho man Randy Savage, Kane too had suffered a heart attack. And now he needed to go under the knife. It was serious and it was scary. However, it was not terminal. Even after doctors discovered problems with two additional arteries, Kane survived a five hour quintuple bypass surgery. It was a major relief, but there was still something he felt needed to be addressed. Without my questioning her, my nurse looked at me and said, you know you're going to wrestle again, right? I was like, yes. Just as he's done so many times in his matches, Kane kicked out at two. I know God was with me through all this, but I'm going to rehab and work on getting me better. And so now his career will go on, 
but more importantly, his life will too. Mike Lissette, Charlotte Sports Live. Some great stuff from Mike there. And here's the dunk heard around the world. Kai Jones over Victor Wimbanyama in Summer League play. We revisit and react coming up. And no one knows how far the 49ers have come in athletics better than athletic director Mike Hill. We sit down with him in an exclusive interview to talk about the big change coming to the Niners. That's next. Welcome back inside Charlotte Sports Live. Gabe McDonald, Carla Gebhardt with you for the next 30 minutes. We've got several things to review from the week here in our Queen City. We can review. That's right. And our first moment goes to the Hornets, who were not in the Queen City when this happened. They were in Summer League out in Las Vegas. But, I mean, it stole the show. You saw it on Twitter. You saw it live. More specifically, though, I mean, you saw Kai Jones stealing the show Friday night against Victor Wimbanyama and the Spurs. Jones showing off the bunnies and dunking mm. all over the number one pick, giving him that welcome to the NBA moment in his Summer League debut. This was just I watched it. I, I don't even know how many times I watched this. Game. Uh, I've, I've so ran it back good. a lot. The <laughs> only thing that I hated about it, they had the interview going while it was happening right. live. It just, but still, you got to show the young fellow what's up. I mean, you know, obviously he's coming in with a lot of hype. Uh, Kai Jones wasn't trying to hear none of that. So, I mean, he takes matters through his own hands and you get that kind of moment in. That's going to be on a poster. I yeah, mean, that's going to be on a poster. the kids all around Charlotte are going to have that on a poster. Kai Jones. You made yourself a whole lot of money, young man. And we go back to the top series in racing. Cole Custer won the inaugural Xfinity race in Chicago last weekend. But this week, it was announced he's getting the opportunity to go back cup racing. Custer drove number 51 for Rick Ware Racing today in Atlanta and also drive the Jacob Company's Ford Mustang at New Hampshire and Pocono. Custer has 112 starts in the cup series after driving full-time the last three seasons for Stuart Haas Racing. And some other big news affecting the industry, Kip Childress, the Cup Series assistant director and pace car driver, has announced he is leaving NASCAR and will be the new executive director of the Cars Tour. NASCAR Cup Series driver Kevin Harvick, who is also one of the owners of the Cars Tour, says Kip's professionalism and positive attitude is going to be a huge benefit for the Cars Tour. And we're happy to have him. And moving into college athletics, Queens baseball has found their next head coach. Jake Hendricks will take over the Royal Royals after serving as the associate head coach at Austin Peay University last season. Hendricks helped lead the Governors to a 26-32 overall record and 15-15 in the A-Sun Conference. And if you think you've heard about the Charlotte 49ers and maybe heard their name a little bit more this past year, well, you'd be correct, and that's because of the success that they've had. I mean, look at their recent resume, finishing with the best average finish in Conference USA for the third straight year, winning a league title in a school record of eight different sports. And much of their success can be credited to athletic director Mike Hill, who has been with the 49ers the last five years. He's also now helping lead the way as the Green and Gold get ready to embark on their journey into the American Athletic Conference. I got to sit down with Hill earlier this week to not only talk about their achievements, but to talk about the change headed their way. You made lots of noise in Conference USA, even just most recently, what, eight titles recently in the athletic department. That's a lot of success there and really gotten a lot of people talking. I think nationally, the, the baseball team in, in the postseason, that was really exciting. Um, but, but what does this move mean for, for all of those, those teams? Well, I think in the end, again, it's, it's about trying to continue to elevate our profile as a program, as an institution. And this league allows us that opportunity with the visibility that we have on their national uh, TV package, uh, in addition to some great competition. You know, our, our teams have performed really well. We've been the top performing athletics program in Conference USA for three straight years now. And uh, this year to set a school record with eight conference championships is really 
hard to imagine. I mean, it's, it's, it's a credit to our coaches and to our student athletes for what they've been able to do so far. And I know that there's probably fans out there, you know, that, that maybe wanted to stay in Conference USA, but again, this is an opportunity for growth for the whole athletic department. So, and you do need their support, you know, fundraising, all of these things from those fans. So what would you tell those fans that maybe might be a little bit more hesitant to, to the new conference? Well, I, I think this, look, you know, you, you, can't, you can't play scared, right? Like we, we want to step up our level of competition um, and, and be a part of something big. And that's what we're here to do. And, and the growth that we've had as a program and as a university for the last five years has really been phenomenal. And so, uh, but we're not done. We have a lot of work to do still. We know that. And so that's the joy in building something that hasn't been done before. And that's what we're doing right now. You know, baseball team making the NCAA tournament for the second time in three years. Our softball team made its first ever uh, NCAA tournament. Tennis made their first ever NCAA tournament. You know, basketball won the CBI tournament, our first ever postseason championship in basketball. And yet, that's not where we want to be. Like, we want more than that. We want NCAA tournament appearances. We want bowl appearances. We want to advance farther in the NCAA tournament in all, this, all of those sports. So if you're a competitor, and we all are, whether you're a coach, athlete, or administrator, you continue to push and drive to be the best. And a lot of times that's how judged on the company that you keep. And so we're going to be keeping company with some really impressive athletics programs, and we're excited about it. Yeah, certainly an opportunity for that. I know if there is a lull in athletics, it's probably right now, but we've even got the volleyball team practicing outside of your window here in Houston Arena. Uh, so, so not much of a lull, but we do have the football team coming back in in a couple of weeks and a lot of excitement with this going into this season. Biff Pogey, the excitement that he's brought, and he's been very vocal about the support. But, but what does Coach bring uh, to this program going into this football season? I've been around a lot of great coaches in my career, and I'm not sure I've seen a coach drive as hard as he does in terms of recruiting, in terms of making sure that the talent level is elevated. I mean, I, the football team, when you walk out at practice, you don't recognize them if you were here a year ago. There's so many new faces, so many new players, and uh, we got a lot bigger uh, and a lot more athletic, I think. So now obviously the competition level steps up as well. And so uh, that was kind of a prerequisite, I think, to, to get us ready to go. But I've been so impressed by his ability to, to recruit and to build a staff that has recruited so effectively. Because as he says, you win with players. If you're a great coach and you don't have great talent, you're not going to win. You have to have great talent. And so it's exciting to see. And of course, this is step one. This is year one. His sense of urgency is at a very high level. Um, you know, it's interesting to me that the best coaches that I've been around almost have more of a fear of failure than they do uh, celebrating the joy of winning. They just do not want to fail. And this is a guy who's not failed in anything in his career. I mean, he's, he's a winner, and uh, we're excited about what he's building. We heard Mike Hill talk about the success of Charlotte baseball this past season, but now we're talking with the players that want to take that success to the next level. And some of the top flag football talent in the world was on full display in the QC this weekend. How they look to help grow the game coming up in just a bit. We're on Charlotte Sports Live. We're back in two minutes. Well, it was certainly a successful season for Charlotte baseball. The Diamond Niners winning their first Conference USA title in program history and earning a bid to the Clemson Regional. Unfortunately, that would be where their postseason run ended. But the journey continues for a trio of Niners who were all invited to the MLB Combine last month and hope to hear their names called in this year's MLB Draft. 
Scarlett, Jake Cunningham, Cameron Fisher, and Wyatt Hudipol all participated in the combine held at the end of last month at Chase Field in Phoenix. Hudipol led the Niners in strikeouts this season with 129 of them, including a midseason performance in which he punched out a record 17 batters in a complete game effort. Meanwhile, Cam Fisher, Charlotte's first ever six-time All-American, led the team with a 348 batting average and led the nation in regular season home runs with 30 jacks in the regular season. Meanwhile, Jake Cunningham was hailed as one of the top performers of the combine by MLB.com's Jake Callis, who said that Cunningham is some of the best all-around tools in the college class and is well above average in raw power and speed. Our very own Grace Grill caught up with Niners ahead of the draft this weekend. Well, the 2023 MLB draft is coming up this weekend. The draft combine took place at the end of last month. 350 top players in the country, and we have three of them with us today. Jake Cunningham, Cam Fisher, and Wyatt Hudewell out of UNC Charlotte. Fellas, thanks for joining the show. Jake, we'll start with you because you were highly praised coming out of the combine. Just You want to start with what was that experience like? Sure, yeah, it was a lot of fun just being around all the top players in the country, and it was great that we had three guys attend that event. It was a super fun time out there in Phoenix, and I'm glad we had some great representation from Charlotte there as well. Jake Callis of MLB.com said that you had probably one of the best overall tools in power and just raw speed. Did you read any of the write-ups coming out of the draft? I read a couple of them. Um, it, was, it was cool to get some praise like that especially after the start of the season I had with the ankle injury and everything like that. So it was good to, to get out there and show what I can do on the field and just have fun out there. Um, it was really cool. And all those write-ups and, and things are, are really special after the adversity I went through this year. All right, Wyatt, I'll toss this one to you. What was the, what was the experience like for you as a pitcher going into the Combine? Yeah, for me, it was fun. I was able to watch and enjoy uh, Cam and Jake hitting. And uh, I just sat with Coach Woodard and watched um, them do their thing. Uh, since I threw a lot this year, I just kind of enjoyed the moment and just relished it all in because I was just happy to be there with the guys. Now, you all have eligibility left. And I know COVID kind of gave you guys some extra eligibility. But what's the thought process here? Like, is there a chance you would return to Charlotte? Or is it if you get drafted, you guys are going? I think it's one day at a time. Right now, I think we're enjoying, what is it, Friday today? Just enjoy the time with your family at home and uh, see what happens and go from there. But there, I think mean, we have a good backfall, I guess, if the draft doesn't work out to go back to Charlotte, um, put on the uniform again. All right, Cam, how about you? Draft experience, what was it like for you just being out there in Phoenix with your guys? You know, it was really cool. Uh, I, I think me, Wyatt, and Jake would all say the same thing. Like, we got to reconnect with some guys that, like, maybe we hadn't seen since, you know, high school summer ball and – you know, just back in the day, you get to connect with guys that you wouldn't usually connect with. And it was just like a, I mean, Jake and Wyatt know too. I'm a pretty big talker and know a lot of people. So it was a really good kind of experience to go out and see some guys I hadn't seen in a while. And then just kind of, you know, take in the environment, take in the people you're around, kind of the big names you get to see. Like it was just kind of a, honestly, like a once in a lifetime thing. Well, the last time we talked, you guys were getting ready to go into regionals. You guys had a great season at Charlotte. Cam, you led the nation in regular season home runs. You had said to me earlier before you went to regionals that this was about you guys putting Charlotte on the map. What can you take away from the season now and what you guys were able to do with getting Charlotte's name out there? Well, you know, and that was the thing. Um, I don't think we've arrived, but we've definitely kicked out another door that this program hasn't seen. And, you know, the way that Coach Woodard and Coach Bick and everybody involved with this program is, you know, sending this program, like, the direction we're going in is very positive. And, and 
you know, you can't get there all at once. You can't, you know, there's got to be some obstacles, obviously, but like there's a bunch of great things happening in this program. And I think we surprised a lot of people this year. I think there's a lot of things that we did this year that a lot of people didn't expect us to do. And I think we're, we're one step closer. All right, guys. Well, we wish you luck and we appreciate the time. And uh, we hope to hear your name called too this weekend. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, as the men's and women's national flag football teams fought to Charlotte, the ladies were led by one of the 704's best over the weekend. We introduce you to her next on Charlotte Sports Live. Okay, well, just in case you were wondering, there are 48 more days till college football begins and 60 days until the NFL returns. But while we wait for the real football to return, the USA flag football took over Charlotte this very weekend. But will it take over the world next? Michael said has more on a sport that has some big dreams. On the return, Minter in for the touchdown. Growing up, Madison Fulford lived for Sundays in Panthers football. Me and my dad would just bond and watch it every Sunday. It's like our, our thing. Carolina third and four. Captivated by the athleticism of her favorite player, Steve Smith Sr., the Concord native began to dream of playing herself. However, at that time, it simply wasn't possible. I wasn't allowed, one, because it was all boys playing, and two, because my mom didn't want me to get hurt. But mom couldn't stop the former three-sports star athlete at J.M. Robinson High School years later when she started playing flag football with her fellow cadets at the U.S. Air Force Base. That's when opportunity came knocking unexpectedly. This guy who coaches women's flag saw me playing, and so he was like, hey, like, you're pretty good, like, come check out the women. And I was like, okay, yeah. Funny how life works, right? Fulford is now following her passion. And in a crazy twist of fate, the 28-year-old is doing it near where she grew up, along with the USA Women's National Flag Football Team. They, as well as the men's squad, are taking part in an international competition at the U.S. Performance Center here in Charlotte. You're looking upwards of 2,000 athletes here from the U.S. as well as seven other countries. As it turns out, Fulford is joining the sport at exactly the right time. What we're seeing is just incredible interest, particularly on the girls and women's side. And we're evolving now from what really is a recreational sport, the youth level, intramural to college level, and adult amateur beyond that. USA Football CEO Scott Hallenbeck believes the sport is growing so fast it has a legitimate shot at becoming an Olympic event in 2028 when the summer games return to Los Angeles. Fulford has her fingers crossed. That dream is there and, and we're going to continue that push. Fulford hopes to still be playing by then, but even if she's not, she can at least say she played in front of the person who inspired her in the first place. Steve Smith was here today. It was super amazing to be able to meet him and him to see me score. I really don't have the words for it. A full circle moment for an athlete in a sport whose only direction now appears to be up. And both the men's and women's teams won gold on Friday night over Mexico, and it was Fulford leading the way for the women. Over 578 yards and 14 touchdowns throughout the tournament, including all four scores for the women in Friday night's gold medal game. And of course, Charlotte FC and the Charlotte Knights collided earlier today. Goalkeeper George Marks throwing out the first pitch, and we hear it was a strike. Might have to get some confirmation on that one. Is it QC Crown worthy? Find out next here on Charlotte Sports Live. Well, if you haven't listened to Charlotte Sports Live, the podcast yet, well, guys, you are missing out. Scan the code on your screen right now, tap the button that pops up, and hit subscribe, and you can get all of your Charlotte Sports news and chatter in the palm of your hand any day of the week. 
That's right. And it is now time to hand out our QC crowns. Our MVP moment of the day. Gabe, you get to go first. Mine is going out to Allison Corpu. She was dominant this weekend at the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach. The first at Pebble Beach. Corpu is the only golfer to finish under par in each round of the tournament and cap things off by shooting a 69 today in the final round to win her first LPGA title at nine under par. And with this victory, she claims a $2 million prize, the big bucks. And that is the richest ever for an LPGA major champion. Huge congrats to her on getting it done. And I uh, might need to hold a dollar or two. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> love that. All right. Well, we started out the show with my QC crown, and I'm going to end it tonight. But Kevin Harvick and Richard Childress starting the race off today, running the four in his famous 29 car, the car that he actually got his first win in at Atlanta just a few races after Dale Earnhardt Sr. passed away. This was such a cool moment, I am sure, for fans. And my favorite so far of the Harvick farewell tour, Gabe, I felt like today, like I actually felt like Harvick's going to retire now. Yeah, it really did. I mean, that was just a great moment for both of them to share and to have, you know, obviously Richard Childress out there too, the four and the 29, a great moment. Just hate that the race wasn't that great too. I know, they got called for rain. We needed more of it. All right, that'll do it for us tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow night.